This is Mind Wars. I'm Chris Ryan, and on today's show, we've got Bibi Bacchus. Bibi is an expert in UCC law, which is the highest expression of law. Bibi also, at one stage, ran a very successful real estate business um, in the States, um, turning over 25 to 30 properties uh, per month. But that all changed for Bibi one day at the age of 54 when she was sitting inside in her office, and two people walked into her office. One was an IRS agent, and one was a police officer. And from there, it all changed. Bibi was completely set up. And next thing she knows, she's serving an eight-year sentence. Bibi, welcome to the show. Nice having me. Thank yeah. you, Chris. No problem at all. So what, continue on from where I just left off, because that will leave people thinking for a second. How did you get into this position at 54? And from my knowledge, never even had as much as a parking fine or in trouble with the police ever in your life. And these guys just rock up into your office. And uh, the next minute you're entwined in this confrontation and they're pretty much trying to set you up and next thing you know you're you're behind bars how does it go from working in an office mind your own business to next next thing you know you're serving an eight-year sentence <laughs> yes i as you said i sold real estate for 18 years i didn't have anything on my license perfect and the irs agent came into my office one day and he brought the detective with him and he asked me questions about one sale i made um to a young man who bought his grandmother's house. And uh, the sale was fine. He went to the bank, he got his, his uh, loan, he got $5,000 of his own money at closing because that's all he had required. And, uh, and he bought the house. Two years later, uh, the IRS agent came to my office. And I explained to them that um, what happened. And I said, I have the file, if you would like a copy, a copy of it. And he said, no, that I have a copy. So they spoke to me about the sale. I explained, I says, got the loan. And at that time, they never told me that he was a drug dealer or, or he, uh, he laundered money or anything. They just asked me. So then I said to him, why are you inquiring about him? Because since I sold the property, he, he rented it and he, I haven't seen him. He, he don't have the reason to come to visit me. So I said, what's happened? And then they explained that uh, uh, they understand he sells drugs and uh, he launders money and they just come to ask me about the sale and they left. They never said anything to me. They had a copy of the file. I called my broker and I let him know that they were there. Then um, two months roughly later, they came back and they wanted me to go to court and they, they typed up something and they gave it to me to read. They want me to go to court and let the court know that he was offering me money cash. And I said, no, <laughs> that I can't do that. You have to take your, your cash to the bank. I told it. So they, what they typed up was just what they want me to say. So I refused. I said, if, if this gentleman is a drug dealer, then I am afraid for myself and my family because you never know with these people. And I'm not in that kind of a company. I don't have that kind of company. We're very quiet, um, close family. So they said, you, you'll be doing it for your country. So I said, I thought America, if you tell the truth, you're fine. And that's what I want to do for my country. So he was really arrogant at this time. He said that I sold the house next door to him to a nigger. 
So I says, I don't look at people's color. Mm -hmm. If they have the money and they're good people, I will sell them a house. And, um, and they left. A few months later, I got a letter, a registered letter to go in front of a grand jury. They indicted me in front of a grand jury. So I went in front of the grand jury and I explained everything about the, the sale and the grand jury found me not guilty of any wrongdoing. I have all my paperwork because I have a book that I put everything in. So when I was found not guilty of any wrongdoing, I had nothing to worry about. So I went along my daily business. Two years later, when the grand jury dismantled every 24 months, they, they reconvened a new set of grand jury and the grand jury, and they moved the prosecutor that was in front of the grand jury with me. They removed him, sent him to Pennsylvania and they sent a new uh, prosecutor. I didn't know nothing about it. This grand set of grand jury, uh, indict 13 drug dealers and and they put me at the end of the of the indictment the, the the irs agent went in front of the grand jury the last testimony was mine he testified against me and he told the grand jury the prosecutor said to him how much did she sell the house to him for you know what he said i'm sorry but i didn't bring my notes now if you come in front of a grand jury wouldn't you take your notes you think okay. it's the least to bring the check? That's right. Then he said, I think it's 130000 but I'm not sure. Now, I have the transcript. Now, he, the house was 85000 So then the, the prosecutor says, well, if you didn't bring your notes, just tell the grand jury what she did. So he told the grand jury, I sold the house to a drug dealer, and, and I laundered his drug money. So the grand jury signed the indictment after they saw 13 drug dealers and then they put me at the very end and they never told me that they're going back in front of a grand jury. That is fraud. So next thing you know, I got a letter to come to the court, know that I was indicted and if I want to go to trial. So then I thought, well, why was I indicted? The grand jury said I hadn't done anything wrong prior two years ago. Anyway, I took a lawyer, which was a big mistake because lawyers don't represent you. They represent the state. So I took a, an attorney and I went to court. I went to trial and they charged me with selling drugs as well at the time to, to, to join me with the other 13 drug dealers. With no proof. So I was found not guilty at trial of drugs. So if I was found not guilty of drugs, whose money did I launder? I had 10 years of bank statements in the court and every single penny was accounted for. So who did I, whose money did I launder? So I was found guilty of money laundering and I was sentenced to 96 97 months. Now, I have no prior record, no nothing, nothing at all in our lives, me, my kids, and my husband. So I was told that I have to self-surrender myself to the prison. They're not taking me. I have to drive myself there. Have you ever heard of the self-surrendering? No. 
in America, you can self-surrender if they think that really you're not a threat to anybody. So I self-surrender and went to prison. But when I got to prison, I vowed to find out how they did this. I promise that if I find out, I'm going to spread it everywhere. So when I got in there, it took me three months. I was crying every day. We appeal, and I, we lost the appeal. But now I know everything, how they did it, how they can lock you up for nothing whatsoever because it's to do with money. It's nothing to do with crime. It's all profit, not, not, not to do with justice. No. And they wanted me out of the way because I was selling too many properties. And what I was doing out of all the realtors in St. Petersburg and Clearwater in Florida, I was the only realtor that fight for the poor. They had money in, in, the, in the county to give to the first time home buyers with children the deposit and they never want to give it. They never let anyone knew it was there. And I had a friend that worked in the council and he told me about it and I applied for it. I applied for this young mother, husband died and she had four young children and they put her in the drug infested neighborhood. So I applied for the dump payment for her, took her to the council. We got the paperwork done, took her to the bank. The bank said they will give her the rest of the loan so she doesn't have to come up with any money. Now, I was so naive. I thought, oh, well, I'm doing something good for these people. So when they found out that I knew about the money, one week before the closing, I called them and I says, you need to send a check for her deposit to the bank so we can go to closing. They told me that she's not in the target area. So I said, you know something? If she does not have her money next Friday, I am going to the press and I'm gonna tell them what you guys are doing. You knew six weeks ago where she was buying the property. They want you to go in another set of drug infested area. That's their target. So what I did, I, I well, I'm not really threatening them. I told them that she's going to have her money. This woman needs to move. She has young children and she's on her own. And that's that house where I, I sold her is just right for her. It's a nice neighborhood with kids, parks, and that kind of stuff. So... The day of closing, the Friday morning, who is to turn up? Is the mayor. The mayor turned up. This is how they hide themselves. And he came to the closing and the press was there. He came to hand her the check to say that this is from the federal government. It's funds for first time home buyers. Now, nobody knew about it. And he said, now I'm handing the check over to her so she can put her deposit and she can close and get her keys. So the press asked me as the realtor, how did it go about? And I told them the truth. I told them what they're doing at the council. And I think from then they thought we need to get rid of her. That's wow. how I feel because I didn't do anything. Yeah, you were and completely I know, and my, my attorney, 
he told me in front of my broker that he guaranteed my freedom because I didn't do anything wrong. When I, when I got in a sentence, my broker called him up and says, you guarantee her freedom in front of me. We interview you before I, she hired you. Um, and he gave me an affidavit, which I have in my book. The affidavit says that I, that he has guaranteed my, my freedom. You know what he did? He called up my broker and says, if you don't withdraw your affidavit, I am gonna let my attorney know about you. So my broker, broker said to him, you can do whatever you like, but I'm not withdrawing, that's the truth. Because in commerce, affidavit stands as truth. Mm. Nothing else but affidavit. So, so that's what happened to me. And I studied the UCC law for every single day, Chris, I was in there. When I was about to leave, I don't know if you saw that interview I had. The D, they wanted to take my DNA because they said I was a criminal. I refused to give it. I am not giving it, I said. She said, the lady from the medical department, that she's going to, they're going to take it by force. So I sat down and I write, I wrote a nine page security agreement under the Uniform Commercial Code. And I sent it to my kids, they typed it up. My husband mailed it to her, registered for her to sign for it. When she received it, she took it to the warden and told the warden to look at it that I have forged her signature. And they call an attorney, uh, a judge from outside of the prison to come and try me in the prison. When the judge came, he looked at the nine page, they locked down the prison, they locked me up in a room with them. And the judge says to me, what's this? He threw it across the desk. I said, do you understand English? It is in English, right? But when I first went to court, I could have never said that to the judge. Yeah. So I said to him, it's in English. So he said, don't be arrogant. I said, no, that's not being arrogant. You looked at it, it is in English. Why are you asking me what it is? He said to me then, I am gonna take it with me and I'm gonna read it over. And when I come back next Monday, if you have forged your signature, I'm gonna give you another charge and you're gonna be staying here for a while. I said, okay, I'll see you next week. That is how much confidence I had in myself under the UCC, because I understood it. So when he came back the next weekend, week, Monday, he said to the warden, I would like to speak to her privately. So she put me us in another room next door. And he told me, he says, when I saw you last week and I look at these papers, he says, Miss Bacchus, I didn't have a clue what you were saying. Not a single clue on these papers. He said, I had to take it to my superior so they can look at it. And they could tell me whether you have committed fraud. He told me, they told me to tell you good luck because you're leaving soon. And whatever you are doing, you should carry on. And they asked him who I was. Brilliant. They had never seen it in the prison, never. So he gave me a letter stating that. And you know what I did on the nine page security agreement? The first paragraph I told her, if you do not understand these documents, you need to consult an attorney. From there on, I told her what I'm gonna take from her if she takes my DNA. 
everything, including her pension. When I said everything, if she have investments in oil or anything, 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 everything, bank accounts, uh, your box that you have in the bank, safety deposit, everything I'm going to take from her, including her pension. That's why. So what I did is what make it uh, not a fraud. I read the UCC for seven years and I studied it and I know how to write it. So I wrote the nine page security agreement and at the bottom of the last page, I typed her name up in block letters. And underneath the block letters, I put debtor. She is the debtor. And under that, I typed my name up in high case and low case creditor. Creditor accepts debtor signature in according to Uniform Commercial Code, and I put the numbers in. And so she had no choice. Yeah, she had no choice. She had. She was on the contract with me. Once she receives it, she could have thrown it in the bin. I would still take her on a non-judicial foreclosure. I don't have to take her to court. And for people who don't understand uh, UCC law. What is it and who basically studies it? Well, I think a lot of people study the book, but uh, it's difficult to decipher the contract and the banking laws because that's what we're under. The banks and the elite owns us. And if you know the UCC law, which they're under, you have no problem. I had an email yesterday from one of my students who was stopped in London by a police officer and he had no driver's license and no insurance. He had the indemnity bond, which I gave them in their class. And the police officer went to some company. I have to find out from him today where he sent them. And the lady, it was recorded. I can send you a copy. He, the police officer was speaking to the woman and she explained everything on the UCC that she, she said, by the look of this, you will be charged for rape. You're raping him of his name. Wow. A police officer in London was shocked. She said, you're, you're going to be charged on the fraud. And she explained everything on commerce. Wow. He had to let the guy go. Because the driving license itself, from what I gather is, we don't actually need a driving license, provided say no. you're a taxi company or you need it for actual commercial him. business. Yes. She told him that. She says, you only need a license if you're doing it for business. You see, Chris, we own everything. Under the straw man, you own everything that they're doing out there. When they says they have so many trillions to spend somewhere, they're developing electricity. The only thing that you, you really have to pay for is their electric meter or their gas meter. That's theirs. The electricity that comes into the house is yours. You paid for it through your birth certificate and your SSTQV trust. So, that's yeah. how. So I want to get into the birth cert because I know that's the enslavement trap from when you come out of the womb. But just before we get to that for a second, while you were talking about the driving license and the car situation, we don't need 
a driving license, um, do we need the likes of, uh, they try to intertwine us and saying we need to pay tax because the tax, of course, pays for the, the upkeep of the roads and uh, maintaining the potholes and so on and so on. Do we need to pay tax? Do we need to pay insurance? No, 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 none at all. The HMRC is a private corporation. It's not government agency. We do not have a government in any of these countries. In London, you have the prime minister, you have UK in CAT, which is under the straw man, and you have United Kingdom, which is a country. And that's all governed by the crown, is it? Yes, and the IRS is everywhere, all over the world. The IRS is British, and it's a corporation as well. And you do not, un under any circumstances, have to pay for your labor. You, can, you don't, there's no law that they can produce to you that you can pay tax for your labor. So what they do is they made your home into a resident. A resident is contract co commerce. It's where you do business. That's what it means. So if they send you anything to your resident, you have to pay. So what I did 10 years ago, they sent me the IRS form to fill in, and I had a middle initial. When I was born, I didn't have an initial, I had a name. So the initial is corporate as well. So they send it in with a middle initial and they address it to my resident. So what I did, I sent it back. And I says, someone made a mistake in your office. I don't have an initial. And I do not have a resident. I, I have a home. Right, household. Yes. I don't say I'm going resident. I says I'm going home. So they never, ever, ever sent me anything else from 10 years ago. And speaking on the household itself, I know in England and even back in Ireland during the recession, I think it was about 2014 or 13, 14, I think the year was, they started to introduce the property tax in Ireland. I think it's madness because, well, you've just said it there, it's kind of like a, a business when they, when they put it down to a commercial premises like a residency side. But I know in Ireland, your, your actual household, you're not actually, technically, you're not doing business. That's, that's where you, 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 know, you grow up with your kids and your family, and that's yours. You're not actually making an income to pay tax off of that. So really, yeah. you shouldn't be paying this property tax either because they tell us the property tax back home. I'm not sure what they say it was for here in England, but I know in Ireland, they tell you it's for the upkeeps of the, the lighting and the streets, it's for the upkeep of the, the local swimming pool, and it's for the upkeep of the libraries. All these things that I have nothing personally got to do with or, or most people at home in Ireland wouldn't have either. I mean, so we're being told uh, another deceitful uh, a lie. No, it's your money developed all these technologies. In, in England, the gas truck says, the, uh, what do they put on there? Like the, the, the work, what they're doing, I, I can't remember how they, they word it, but it says the electricity is yours. Like they're telling you the technology is there, mm. electricity. Now, what people need to do, and I know in Ireland, I, I told lots of people and they have done, you go on Amazon and you buy an electric meter. That's all you're paying them for. You buy an electric meter, you take their meter out with an electrician, you connect your meter to the electricity, you don't have to pay a dime. So what happens when they turn up and they say, you're using our electricity? No, 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 no. No, it's not theirs. 
what happens is once you've done that, I give my students a, a template letter to write to them from the proprietor to them with the address. I no longer require your services. They never come, they never come, they never come take their meter. And this would they apply ask, yeah, for, to everybody. for the property tax and water rates as well. Yeah, water, lights, and gas. Now the property tax, you can file an allodial title if you have the property, if it's your property. Can you explain the difference between allodium and allodial? Same thing. Same thing. Allodium, allodial. Allodial is how to file it. Okay. I gave them step by step, and it's very simple to file. The Jews have allodial title. They don't pay taxes. Only us. Why should we pay? You see, on the commerce, you are just a mere user under the UCC. You're not the owner for the house, even if you have freehold. Freehold means nothing. You have to move that house off the prop the land. The queen owns all the land all over the world. So they give you, so you have to pay for what they're doing. They're supposed to do that with your money. Come and clean up the, the environment, all the stuff. It is your money, Chris. The highway is built with your money. You are free to roam. When I give them the four-page security agreement to send to the DVLA, I told the DVLA in there, you have 14 days to respond. Silence is acquiescence. We don't hear from you. We take it for granted that you agree. So getting back to um, the birth cert itself, where all this kind of develops from, um, you're born. Um, the first thing we all hear is, oh, did you register the birth? What happens from there? And how is it such a con job that that inevitably gives us the, well, the dead spirit, the straw man, whatever terminology people would like to use in it. Um, this dead entity that is considerably used throughout our life. People are going to court paying fines, not for themselves, but for this other fictional character that has been uh, go governed or created for us by uh, at birth. So it's very nice of them. Okay, well, <laughs> if you find out, okay, we're all under Admiralty Maritime Jurisdiction under the UCC. We're sailing under that. We are considered vessels. When you were born, you come through the birth canal like ship. And then you dock. The doctor's sitting there to get you, right? First it used to be the midwife, now it's no longer that. So you dock. Once you dock, the surgeon general take you and registered you under the straw man. So that is why when you get your, your birth certificate, when you, your parents have to register you, if not, they'll take you to prison or find you. They need that name that you're going to put on that baby. You come out and you might be baby number 13, baby number 14. And then, and the date and time you were born, no name. They made up the straw man as soon as you registered the birth. If you don't register the birth, they said they're going to fine you. But they want the name so they can make that straw man. And from that day, the straw man starts, they attach the national insurance number or social security on that name from birth. And they start making money. 
So when you become 16, they give it to you and you can go and make money for them again. They plan this, Chris. They sit down and they think how they can scam us, how they can make us slaves. You saw the old movies with slaves. We're still slaves. All of us are slaves because we all have numbers. All this is in the UCC telling you the fraud, telling you the scam and how yes. you can step and outside the box. They did it. How they did it, yes. Yeah. 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 And the banks, the banks are there to scam you for the elite. Now think about it. They said we have worldwide COVID. You know what they want? They want it. You see, there's certain things I can see without even reading a book because I know how it operates. They want you, all of us, the whole world, to have the same thing. They want to control. When was the toilet paper issue? They put subliminal messages in your TV. Nobody said they were short of toilet paper. They all ran up and they want to see how many people they can control. Now they're doing the mask. People are wearing the mask. Some of these women have a dress and mask to match. When their lungs collapse, then they'll find out you're breathing carbon monoxide. You're breathing out oxygen and you're supposed to breathe in. They're cutting down the trees that gives us the oxygen. People need to wake up. I have some friends in Ireland, very close friends, came here to South America and visit. And they told me people in Ireland is very difficult to make them understand. Yeah, extremely hard. Yeah. I'm trying to wake him up since all this scam happened. It's very sad, Chris. It's I very know. sad because that's what they're going to do to our children. You see, the children, I have in my, in my class, I give the students a template on the U.S. president, what authority he has to lock down the whole of the United States and nobody can challenge him for six months and put people in work camp. Their gun control act is word for word of the Nazi gun control act. And even uh, in Ireland, for example, like many places, I know talking to people back home, they were, uh, I mean, it's madness even talking about, but they were reduced to five kilometers. They can't go further than their home. Now it's reduced to two kilometers unless you're, you know, some essential business that they deem is, is essential to go there. Um, I mean, under any normal circumstances, you, you're, you're born free. Why can't we remain free? How is this, uh, you know, people are afraid of fines. The police are stopping on the roads, doing checkpoints. It's all the fear. It's driven by fear and the propaganda by the media all the time. That has, has, that has enslaved. Okay, they need to know the court system. Mm. Let them find them. Tell them, okay, I am not going to stay in two kilometers. Mm. You find me. Keep finding me. I am not paying it. And take your money out the bank. There's a way of signing in the bank where they, they can't touch your money under the UCC. Yeah. See? So, and they cannot go to court because the court is not for them. That is not the court. It's a business center. Yes. How do the courts work? That's what I wanted to ask you because uh, I know there's a lot of scams and fraud in the courts itself, but from your experience, yeah. but, um, and I know there's involvement with secret societies. There's all sorts of stuff uh, entangled in these court systems, but uh, how did it work from your experience and what you've studied? Okay, with the courts in England, when I'm in London and any of my students uh, get anything, I would go with them to court. Now, when you, you do not go into the courthouse, 
I write them a letter and I tell them, thank you for your invitation, but I will not be attending your business center. I don't hear from them again. Simple as that. No, they did it to me. 2011, this, I got a parking ticket at Morrison's for overpark for two hours, after two hours. They sent me a ticket. I sent them a letter and I told them, first of all, you use my property for financial gain. You do not have my permission. And the fine for that is 250,000 pounds every time you use it. Didn't hear from them. I gave them 14 days. As soon as 14 days is up, another letter went out and I told them you're now in default. And I considered this matter discharged. Five days later, I got a letter and I give copies to my students. Your account with us is closed. You no longer owe. Incredible. I mean, the deceitment is incredible. astronomical. It is incredible. And I give copies to all my students. I says, if you're afraid, you are going to lose. And the fact that you just did what you, what you said there now as well, in order to do so, have you to, because I know there's a way of regaining your straw man as well. Do you have to have that ownership done before you can do exactly what you did there, say in the Morrison's car park, for example? No, but if you have it, it is to your advantage. Because with the straw man, I gave them a whole harmless and indemnity agreement. I give them a non-cooperate status. I rescind their signatures, non-proton. From the time you sign in and they didn't inform you, it's no longer valid. I give them a copyright notice. I, they can file their copyright. I give them um, an invoice, how to file an invoice against the person who's using it to take their properties. Once they get these things, they back away because the straw man is dead. I brought it back alive through a conduit with the UCC, a conduit and um, uh, electricity. How difficult is that? It's not, it's in paperwork. And then I explain to them what it is. So once they understand what a conduit, you have a conduit to run your electricity through. The straw man is at the end and he's dead. So you're gonna bring him back alive. So the UCC show you how to do it. So I give them that, they file their UCC one with their birth certificate number and that, with saying debtor is a transmitting utility because the debtor is dead. Now it's transmitting electricity to you and that's filed in the UCC one. And they know at the filing office. They know exactly what you're talking about. That's right because Sometimes my, my students will forget to put in debt as a transmitting utility and they will email them and ask them, do you want that in or not? Some, some secretary of state office. And it's all real, Chris. And it sounds so simple. That's the killing point of it all as well. <laughs> it is very simple. All you have to do is to take the time and stop watching television and going out and buying expensive everything. Stop doing what you want, not what you need. You have to buy what you need, not what you want. We're supporting all these elites. Exactly. Run by the bankers worldwide and Rothschilds that's and all these people. That's right. And don't take a lawyer because he's going to send you. I went to court. You have time. I went to court 
with one uh, girl, this Tongso, she lives in Richmond, which is um, not Richmond, in Kensington, where the most expensive borough in, in London, or the whole of England. Queen lived around there. So she had a rental in there, an apartment, and she is disabled. And they, she had it like seven years ago. And now they want the apartment. She's paying 800 a month. Now they want the apartment because someone's given them 4,000 a month. So they set her up. The neighbor next door says she's throwing their baby pampers over to their garden. Anyway, long story, make a chart. The fox was destroying all this stuff sometimes. So we went to court. I sent the judge and I gave the students that too. An affidavit and an annexure. The affidavit says, I now own the straw man in this now time and you are gonna be taken, so I'm subrogating this account to you, which is the judge. And the annexure, the, once you sign on the penalty of perjury, that holds the weight in court. Not a lawyer stamping. That doesn't hold nothing. So the judge received it one week before the hearing. Once he signed for it, it's his. So we went to court. When we went to court, the barrister and the council people came. They went in to see the judge. You know, we could hear what the judge was sat by the door and we could hear the judge telling him, I am not hearing this case. The Crown has advised me not to hear this case. And they had an argument and the gentleman left out the back door. He came out in the front and he said to me and my friend, oh, he's over there, there's a room and your hearing will be over there. He lied. If we didn't hear, he wouldn't know. So we went to the door and I said to the lady, she had a long name like it. I said to her, do you have an oath as a judge? He says, why? I says, I need to see it. He says, I don't have to show it to you. So I says, okay, you don't have one. So you have a nice day and we walk away. Then he turned and said to me, who's gonna pay me? I says, those two ladies have brought you. That's all they care about, 5,000 pounds he wanted. He was wow. gonna put it on my friend. You tell your, your audience, don't go to court. There is no court, none. How, how much of these police officers actually know this is going on? For a quick example, I'm walking down a street in London, doesn't matter which street I'm walking down, and I get stopped for whatever reason. Um, maybe it's because I'm not wearing masks. I know they will in time try and introduce masks for people on the streets if they can get away with it. They've already done it in some countries. But if I'm walking down the street, mind my own business, and I just get stopped randomly by the police, because there's a lot of confusion over this gray area. But what's your um, idea on this? Do When you're asked by the police officer, or not a constable, say, that's what they are now as these police officers, when they said, I need to get your name, your address, even though they've nothing on me, they've no good reason to be stopping me. Are you, do you have to give the name and address? Because they tell you, if you don't, we can arrest you straight away and bring you down to the station. Is that another setup? Yeah, it is a setup because they know you're afraid. Now, come up to you and says, what did he stop you for? That's the thing. And who did you hurt? 
Mm. You have to have someone that you have hurt to be able to be stopped and ask questions. You didn't hurt anybody. You're speeding down the highway. Who did you hurt? Nobody. Nobody. So who is this claim going against? Is going to the state. Nobody else. And it's for money. Now, stop you. What is your, uh, I need to know your name. Why? My name is my property. I don't have to give it. You can do whatever you want, but I'm not telling you my name. Yesterday on that interview where I sent it to you, the lady asked the police officer his name. You know what he said to her? After all this I heard, I'm not giving you my name. And there's nothing you can do about it? No, no. Tell him, okay, take me. Take me to the station. Fine. But make sure you find out who is getting this money and who is demanding my name. I need to know who. They're told to do these things and they bully people because they think, oh, you're a cop um, and, and I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid of going to jail. I spent seven years in that second place. Uh, Don't be afraid. I'd like to just finish on one, one part is a lot of people at the moment, you know, with the lockdown, all this madness going on as well, is a lot of people genuinely want to, not even for luxury, they want to just get home to their homeland. They want to see their parents for a weekend or two weeks. But the whole airport situation, I mean, with the PCR testing that's coming in more, trying to introduce a mandatory and stuff as well. I mean, I know I've never got a PCR test and I will never get a PCR test or any test got to do with whatsoever. But when people, even myself included, people don't know the terminology or the wording because when you go there, they say you've no mask on you, you can't board a flight unless you do a PCR test or trying to introduce COVID passports. I mean, as, as this year rolls out, still under what you're, um, what you're telling us as well, this will still apply. So we don't actually have to worry because pe people are in fear over these COVID passports. So we generally don't have to worry about these tests. We don't have to worry about the COVID passports. We should be able to get in these flights. Okay, listen what you need to do. You put it out there to your, to your audience. Tell them, all of them, to bombard the passport office and tell them you need a sea pass because you're sailing under Admiralty Maritime Jurisdiction. You don't need a passport because that's commerce. You need a sea pass. Some of my students in Denmark has already got their sea pass. It's like a diplomat. You don't need no permission from nobody to travel anywhere. But if everybody go out there and, and ask for it, it's gonna have to change. But people are not doing this stuff. They're just not informed. Tell them, yeah. ask the department for CPAS. Everybody write one time, everybody, all over Ireland. In England, they're doing it. Denmark, United States, all my students, and they're handing out information to other people. And just simply, once you get the seat pass, I mean, does it take does it take weeks to months or whatever at the moment? No. You tell them you need it ASAP, as soon as possible. You don't have to tell them when. And you don't have to give them no other information. Don't do censors either. Censors is the thing that they were looking for Jesus. And that's when it started. And he's these same Jews and all these people, the elite that was in, in those times. Lady brought the census, they drop it off at my place and they ask for your name in block. Don't sign, don't ever put your name in block letters. They ask for it in block letters. I didn't sign it. I didn't do it. My husband did it um, because he's, uh, he was in the box at the time. <laughs> so he put my name down high case and lower case because he knew I was going to give him hell. 
Then the doorbell rang a week later and this lady turned up with the census. I didn't know about it. I looked at it and I, then I recognized my husband's handwriting and it's in high case, low case. It's not in the straw man. So I said, she said to me, you fill it up wrong. So I says, what do you mean? She says, it has to be in block letters. I says, lady, my name is not in block letters. And I would not put in block letters there. She says, oh, well, you, you have a fine for a thousand pounds. I says, that's, that's fine. You have a nice day. And I close my door. Never heard from them since. So this seep has to clarify in it. If people go get it, they can roll up to any airport, Dublin airport, Heathrow in London, wherever. No questions asked part about masks. Of the world, any yeah. part of the world. Yeah. No questions asked. No. What I was going to do is this guy Anders in, Germ in um, Denmark, he, has, he opened a university and he's teaching my stuff there. I'm going to ask Anders to send me a copy of his seep Perfect. Okay. Perfect. If I can get that, I'll, I'll send it to everybody. Perfect. Tell Even, them, don't be afraid of them. Yeah. Well, it's fear that got us into this. That's simple as that. Yes. The coercion of the media and the government. Yeah. Yes, still afraid. Bibi, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today. Before, before you depart, I want to say, um, where can people find you? I know you're doing courses. I'm not going to explain them. Have it come from you yourself. When people sign up to these courses, what are, they're going to go in clueless like most of us, but at the, at the other end of the course, what will they actually come out with knowledge-wise to get in the basics? Maybe it's the CPAS, maybe it's X, Y, and Z. They will come out with everything that they need yeah. to carry on their lives. And they don't have to, if they don't, if, if people, if there's a lot of people, the university, you're only allowed so much time and you're allowed to ask so many questions. And then I gave them three weeks to send me emails to help them with their papers to understand more because what I'm doing for them is far more worth than what they, it's not the money. The university is getting money, but I want them to know so they'll do the right thing. So I give them three weeks to email me with their questions. And every time I have a class, they have questions. But if the people do one-on-one, -on -one, like you and I, it is so much better. And they can have my email address and you can give it. Perfect. And I leave all the links in the description below where they can find you and, and the courses and so on and so on. If you want to look up more okay, about the course, it's, Yeah, the course is an NEU um, university, New York University, and it's on the website. Perfect. Thanks again, Bibi, okay. for uh, giving me your time today. It's been absolutely a pleasure. You're welcome, Chris. You're welcome. Thank you so much. It's just so, so valuable, that information. And, and it's so simple the way you break it down as well. It's just you're kind yeah. of pulling your hair out as to why don't we all know this? But it's the greatest deceivement of all why time. Why don't they listen to us? They need to listen to us and stop being afraid. No problem. Thank, thanks again, Bibi. Uh, you've been welcome. listening and watching Mind Wars. Please like, subscribe and share. It really does help with getting information out there. So until next time, we'll see you then.